Everybody talks about how to make more money, but our world has changed. We don't get to run our business from an office anymore. Our coworkers are our kids, spouse, and dog, and those guys are needy. We have to accomplish things in a fraction of the time that they used to take. Time is our most valuable asset. Time to run our business, time to grow our business, time to be with the ones we love, maybe even time to have fun. Join me on my journey to find the best tools and systems to run my business with the goal of earning more time every day. My name is Emily Martinez, and this is Time Hacking Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Time Hacking Summit. We have Kirsten Stuckey here with us today, and besides being one of my very best friends, Kirsten is a teacher in the Valley Center Palma Unified School District. She received both her bachelor's degree and teaching credential from California State University, San Marcos. In her 18 years as an educator, Kirsten has taught grades one, two, and six, and is a part of the dual language program in Valley Center. She's served as a lead teacher and coordinator of the support services planning team at her school. She currently teaches first grade at Valley Center Primary School and is passionate about making school an engaging and exciting adventure for students to attend each day. Kirsten and her husband, who is also an educator, have two children ages 12 and 10 and reside in Northern San Diego. Also, I can tell you, she was both of my two kids' first grade teacher. So <laughs> that in itself is amazing. She survived two Martinez's. <laughs> so Kirsten, things are super weird right now. And I've been hearing a lot from you about all of the weirdness. But first, let me just ask, what can parents do right now to help their kids in this weird virtual environment? Well, I think that this goes for in a normal situation, but also in like a virtual schooling situation. I'm a firm, firm believer in routine. Um, I have one set up for my own kids. I have one set up for my virtual classroom right now. So I really feel like developing a routine is key right now in this land of chaotic schooling and kind of the unknown of when or if we're going to get to go back. I really feel like a routine is key. Having the lunch prepped the night before so that you're not wasting their short little lunch break, getting that ready, having snacks ready, making sure all of the materials that your child needs to be able to attend Zoom or Google Meets for the day, everything that they're going to need is within their reach. Um, I spend so much time in my virtual classroom right now, waiting for kids to get the supplies that they need. So just making sure that you have that routine established so that they have everything ready for the following day's worth of school, the lunch, the clothes, the snacks, the supplies, everything that they are going to need. Also, I am a firm believer in making sure they have a set bedtime on school nights and a set wake up time. I think that most kids thrive on routine. It gives them a sense of stability. And I think that it gives them a sense of empowerment on what to expect, um, what's coming next within their day. Also, I feel like knowing how and when it's best to contact your child's teacher right now um, is crucial. Knowing if they prefer email or if they prefer phone calls. Also knowing when you can call the teacher. If they're in the middle of a Zoom or a Google Meet, they're not going to be able to answer your phone call because the second they step away is the second that all control is lost. 
So I think just knowing um, also when it's appropriate and how to connect with your child's teacher to find out what's going on is really important as well. I know that in the beginning of the school year, part of the routine is just establishing like how to communicate. So if you missed that, (laughs) what do you, what's the best like solution? Email first and then the teacher can get a hold or what do you think? 100%. I mean, you obviously would visit your child. Hopefully you know what your child's teacher's email address is, but if you don't, you should be able to access that from any school district or school website. So I would always start off with an email. Um, Teachers are always thrilled, even if it's three weeks late to be able to connect with you and connect with your child. So even if you haven't signed up for whatever messaging system they are using in class or you haven't emailed them yet, better late than never. So I would start by emailing them. Um, You can always call the school and leave a voice message too if that's, if you're um, unable to find an email address, but start somewhere. Don't just think that everything's gonna fall into place and you can kind of just let the teacher handle it. Like we need help right now. We need support from parents. We need support at home. Um, because this is a really, like, this is the craziest situation that I've ever had to deal with in my 18 years in education. But so I would start by emailing. And if you're unable to do that, then obviously call the school and get the information that you need. Gotcha. So, um, you know, like, you as an educator have a way better understanding of like, what kids needs are and things like that. But now that we're at home with our kids, um, and we're way more intimately involved in their education than what we have. What's a good like red flag? Like when is a good time to step in and get teachers help? Like how do you know when your kid needs help? Well, I think part of part of a successful um, schooling situation right now, I think really kind of having an idea on what's expected of your kiddo each day. Um, What time are they expected to be on their meetings? How long are they expected to be on? I think that, not that you you need to be doing things for them, but you need to know what the expectations are. Be able to ask the right questions, you know, where are you submitting your work? Does it need to be on Google Classroom? Are you submitting pictures via Class Dojo? Do you need something to turn into Canvas? So I think knowing what platform your student's teacher or district is using is really important. My district uses Google Classroom. Um, my husband's district uses Canvas. So I think knowing which platform your child's teacher is posting assignments and communicating on is crucial. And then asking the right questions of your child. And if they can't explain to you what they need to be doing, then yes, you need to step in and you need to contact your child's teacher. We are here to help. We thrive on that. Like we're not getting to physically be with our kiddos we're here to try and make this, you know, make lemonade out of lemons right now. Ask us for help. We are all willing to do that. We're willing to work with you. We're willing to work with whatever life has thrown at you right now. Like we want your kids to learn just as much as you do, but we need you to work with us and we're more than willing to work with you. So I just think knowing the expectations of your, of what your kiddo is being expected to do is the first step. Yeah. Sounds good. You shared with me kind of a wacky story the other day. Um, and I think it's a good like illustration of what is like one step too far. 
So you were talking about how like there was obviously a student who was needing help. And so rather than letting the student like think through the process or allow you to train him to like to coach him or to get him to what he needs to do, the parent was off screen or off to the side feeding answers or something like that. I have all kinds of stories about that. So I did have one student who had struggled with math the entire year, had been receiving extra interventions in math. And once we, you know, went virtual, I had assigned a math assignment. Um, That math assignment would typically have been very difficult for the child, even with help in the classroom. And when I received the work, she miraculously had 100% when she hadn't scored higher than maybe a 50% the entire year. So it was very apparent that the parents had stepped in and either done it for her <laughs> or really, really helped her along the way. Um, right now we're conducting reading assessments with kids virtually, which is really difficult. And it's really difficult. Like you can see a little bit to the sides of me, but if there was someone standing next to me, you wouldn't be able to see it. But it's very obvious when you see a kid constantly going like this, that they're being fed answers. So giving your kid the answers isn't helping them learn. (laughs) And I don't know, like, I think that parents think it's some kind of reflection on them. Like if my child is at home with me and they don't score 100%, you think that I'm not doing my job. And that's not the case at all. Like we need an honest reflection of what your child is capable of doing so that we know where to go. Like when we're doing reading assessments and we can hear parents whispering what the word is on the text, we know that your kid is not reading it. Like if we hear the cat, cat, (laughs) like that's not an honest assessment, but I have, I've had lots of those situations. I've gotten assignments that are 100% not done in kids handwriting. I've gotten um, assignments that, have smudges of all kinds of stuff that I can't read on there. Um, There's all kinds, I mean, there's all kinds of little snafus that have happened along the way, but I just, I think that parents need to understand that we don't think when your child doesn't do well on an assignment on Google Classroom or any virtual assessment, we don't think that it's your fault. We don't think, oh, they're failing because the parents aren't doing their job. it, we need an honest evaluation so that we know how to help your child. Right. Well, you know, we're in such a weird time. Like we basically, there was this gigantic like pause button. And so we're not at a, a place where you can compare what students who were at this time before COVID were, were doing like, this is, this is a huge yeah. learning gap. And that's, that's what you're working on. So, well, and I, I was just explaining to you just before we got started that my students this year, my first graders missed the entire third trimester of kindergarten. So not only am I having to try and teach them what first graders need to be learning, but I'm also trying to catch them up on what might have been missed. Um, in that last part of kindergarten, not that the kindergarten teachers didn't do a phenomenal job with what they were handed, but there's, there's big gaps. So we're trying to fill those gaps at the same time. We're trying to keep them up to speed on what first graders are expected to do. And we know that, you know, we we're, we're trying as best we can to hold them accountable to those state standards, but we also have to try and fill in some holes before we can do that. Um, And it's, it's, 
it's a really difficult juggling act right now. Right. So we're just, we're, we're just having just as hard of a time at times as the parents are, but we're trying to navigate this and having support from parents is, is really all we can ask for. Yeah. So in a virtual learning environment in lower grades, do the teachers require the parents to be like right next to their kids at, during the day or how in your ideal world, like how would the, the at home environment look? So um, every morning my class starts right now with our Zoom etiquette rules. And one of the rules is that you don't have to have an adult in the room next to you the whole time, even though I do have parents that literally sit in here in my entire class the whole day. My kids just need to know where an adult is. So that when they're going into the math book, if they can't find the page, they need to know where mom is so that they can ask for help or where babysitter is. So my rule is not necessarily that an adult has to stay there with them the entire time, just that they have to know where that helper is, whether it's, I have a lot of kids that are with big brothers and sisters, unfortunately. Um, I have kids that are with cousins or babysitters or in a daycare type situation, as long as they know where an adult is. One of the hardest parts too is having a quiet place for them to work. Um, I know headphones kind of make it quiet so or easier for them to hear what the teacher's saying, but the second we ask kids to unmute so that they can provide us with an answer or with feedback, sometimes it's so difficult for us to hear what they're saying because there's so much background noise. We can hear other teachers giving their lessons. We can hear um, kids walking by, we hear the dog, we hear the TV, we hear mom yelling in the background. And I know that that's real life, but trying as best as you can to have a quiet place for your child to work, um, because that's also how we're gauging if kids are understanding. In the classroom, I know what to look for if someone is getting it or if they're not. But in a virtual situation, I can't see their paper all the time. I can't see their body language. So when I'm asking them a question to try and gauge if they're getting it or not, um, if I can't hear what they're saying, it's really hard. So knowing where an adult is, having a quiet place to work, and having your supplies, as I mentioned before, having your supplies accessible to you um, at all times are really important. Um, I also explain to my kids that right now, this is school. So if we were in the middle of class, we wouldn't be sucking on a popsicle or eating a slice of pizza. Um, you, they get designated breaks for recess, for lunch, save the snack breaks for then. Um, I also explained to them that unless it's pajama day, you should be coming to school in school clothes. You know, it doesn't have, you don't have to be in your Sunday best, but I don't need to see you wrapped up in your bathrobe or snuggling your teddy bear. Um, this is school. We don't do that when we're in the classroom, and that's how you need to be treating um, your house right now when we're on our Zoom meetings. So those are, like, every day we go over the Zoom rules because with the little guys, you really have to repeat, repeat, repeat so that they understand it. And we're getting there. Those are some of the, I think, the keys to making this whole journey as successful as possible. Yeah, yeah. Last couple of questions. So I'm just curious, what is going well? Like, are there any things that are any of the things that you're implementing now, any of the systems that you're like, well, maybe I can carry it over when we get back to school? Um, well, the text or the communication systems have been a lifesaver. Um, there's several different ones. There's Remind, there's Seesaw, there's Class Dojo. 
Um, and this year I am trying Class Dojo because last year my son used it. Um, I hadn't used it in the past and I really, I really like the format of it. I think it's super user friendly. Um, the fact that all of the parents, almost all of my parents had joined it, it makes it really easy for me to push out a message because right now I can't type up a quick parent letter or weekly letter to get them information like, Hey, I need this app downloaded on your kids' iPads for tomorrow. So I think though that is, is going really well. And also, um, I really feel at least in my experience this year, my parents have been so flexible and so patient and really providing the positive feedback that I think teachers need right now. Like it's a really hard time for us. So um, just getting a little positive message about, hey, my kid really enjoyed that lesson today, or we really loved um, that story we listened to on the website you recommended, like that, I, that helps so much. I understand, you know, that it's difficult, but just taking the time to do that. So having those message communicating platforms aren't just meant for the teacher to push messages out to you, but if you once in a while can provide a little bit of feedback to your child's teacher, it really does help us. Because like I explained before, we it's really hard for us to see what's working and what's not. I mean, obviously when my kids are rolling around, I know that it's time to take a stretch break or time to do a go noodle activity, but I can't see what they're writing on their paper. So Every once in a while, it's nice for me to see that. So making sure when your teacher asks you to take a picture and submit it, that you help your child follow through with that. Um, but parents have really been supportive for the most part, um, because I know that the spring was not what a lot of parents had hoped it would be. Um, but from my experience, my parents have been really good. And I've said several times that my time online with the kids is the easiest and best part of my day. It's all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes that nobody sees that's the hard part. So I have 100% of my kids coming onto Zoom with me every day. So parents really are kind of stepping up and making sure that their kids are attending because that was not the case in the spring. Also, my district has been really supportive. What's going well with my district has been really supportive of those families that had zero internet connection. Um, they've provided hotspots to hundreds and hundreds of families because without those, I would not have 100% attendance every day. So um, parents are really trying to make the most of it. And we really, really appreciate their support, you know, and kids are excited to have some semblance of normalcy. And even if this is the way that they have to attend school every day, I think for the most part, they're happy to do it. Yeah, that's how it is in my house. It's a reason to get up. You know, in yeah. the summer, it got to the point where we were like, it was horrible. Like, yeah, well, and it's, I mean, they're getting to see their friends and they're getting like, we're trying our best to make it as engaging and exciting as possible because I, it's hard for me to sit in front of my computer all day long, but it's, it's kind of a little bright spot in all of this darkness right now that's happening. Like, I mean, you know, it's like two steps forward, it gets better and then two steps back, but this is a consistent like Monday through Friday. I know I'm going to get to see my teacher. I know I'm going to get to see my friends. I know that, you know, there's going to be some sense of normalcy in my life when I'm sitting in front of my screen going to school. Right. Right. Yeah. So on the flip side of that coin, though, what are you absolutely excited about not having to do once school is back in session? 
<laughs> I'm not excited to have to wear real shoes every day. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There, I, there isn't a whole lot that I'm not excited about as far as I, I so want my kids back in my classroom with me. I so want to be feeding off of them every single day that there isn't a whole lot that I'm not excited about when school starts back up. Like I'm ready for the germs and I'm ready for the tantrums and I'm ready. I'm ready for all of the stuff that we typically would be complaining about. I'm ready for it because I mean, I've been doing this for 18 years and six months without physically seeing my students has been rough. And knowing that it's really hard for me to reach all of the needs that I typically could reach in the classroom. It's, I, I can't do it right now, even though I'm trying my best. Um, it's really hard to meet all those different needs virtually, especially with six-year-olds because their attention span is so short that the second I, you know, let them go for a brain break, I might not get them all back in the 10, 15 minutes that I want them. So I'm just ready for, I'm ready for them to physically be back, you know, when it's safe, obviously. Um, so there isn't really a whole lot that I'm not looking forward to. I, I can't think of yeah. right now. I mean, ask me when school starts <laughs> and I might tell you something different, but um, I mean, I'm just, I'm really excited for all of it. I'll take the bad with that comes with it any day. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So my last question in this part of the interview, I'm just curious about your day. Like what's your, what's your typical day? Like, um, I know you're spending a lot of time in the prep side of things, but I think it would be helpful to, for people to understand like what a teacher's life is like right now. So I get to school about an hour before my kids actually come on so that I can make sure all of my links are ready. All of the paper that we're going to be working on is within my reach. My document camera is working. Um, my second monitor is working. There's so much behind the scenes stuff that I get done in that hour before my kids come on. Um, once my kids come on, I typically have music playing so that then the parents can know if their audio is working. Um, if they can hear my music, they know that their audio is working. Then my kids go in to do some type of independent warm-up activity while I'm taking attendance. I keep them for about an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. And then they go on to, we call it asynchronous time, which is their independent learning time. Either I am doing intervention while they're working independently, or right now I'm doing assessments on um, kids just to get a baseline of where they're coming in at. Um, so they're on a break and they're reading independently, they're doing some language arts type activities, um, and then that's when they get their recess to go to the bathroom, get their snack, get up and move, all of that kind of stuff, charge their iPad, because um, Zoom sucks the life out of their iPad really fast. <laughs> then we come back for about an hour, hour and 15 minutes, and we do math, um, and in that math section, we're, you know, every, about every 15 to 20 minutes, we're doing some type of stand up and stretch, do a song, move around. We're, you know, cause I really can't have them sitting for longer than 20 minutes. And if I do, I pay for it. So then we do our math break or our math chunk. Then they have an asynchronous activity that has to do with math. So an independent activity that has to do with math. It might be going on a math website and completing an activity. I know you're familiar with Zern, which is what I use. Um, it might be finishing um, a few problems from their math book that 
I want them to work on independently. After they finish that, then they go on their lunch break. We come back for story time. And I'm a huge firm believer on reading aloud to my kids every single day. I think that providing um, an example of good reading with tone and fluency and changing your voice and for them just to sit and listen and, and enjoy a story without needing to answer comprehension questions about it, I think is huge. So that's one of my, my most important parts of my day. I love doing story time. Then we do either art or writing or fun activities. We always end. My kids need closure. They need to know that it's okay to click end that meeting. So we end with the goodbye song. And then I spend the rest of my day planning with my colleagues contacting parents that had tech issues or um, getting into websites, checking in to see who actually went on the websites that were assigned. Um, we are checking to see if your kids are actually doing their assignments on various websites, um, checking things off of Google Classroom. There's so much more behind the scenes going on right now than in your normal school year. Like it, it takes a lot to get all of this virtual learning up and going. So don't think that just because your kid has a 40 minute break that their teacher is just sitting with their feet up um, doing nothing because we're not like we're working through all of those breaks too. So that's a typical day. Um, I usually get to school at about seven and most days right now, even though my kids end at 1.30, I'm not leaving until 4, 4.30 um, sometimes later, my partner hasn't left before 5.30, I think. I don't know since school started. Um, because a lot of our families, she has to contact work. So she's waiting at school to be able to get them um, onto the reading websites or help them set up a hotspot or help them set up our communicating platform. So we're, we're working really hard to try and make this as successful as we can for families and students. So they're long days. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think that's really helpful. And um, for everyone else to have a, a good understanding of what your life is like, you know, weird. It's a weird yeah. time. And I, I, I know everybody appreciates what teachers are doing, but they just maybe don't necessarily understand how. Yeah. And like I said, too, I just really want parents to understand that, like, we're trying to be as flexible as we can. We understand that. If your kid can't submit their assignment on Google Classroom, send us a quick message and say, our Wi-Fi crashed or Google is not letting me submit it. We're not going to penalize the kids because it's because of tech issues, because of things that are beyond their control. So I really just want to reiterate, like having an open communicating relationship with your child's teacher or teachers is huge. Like we are here to help. We want to help. We want to try and make this as successful as we can. And I think sometimes parents are stressed out because they're like, I can't get this, you know, this Google doc to submit on Google classroom. We're not going to be mad. It's not like a typical school setting where if a kid turns in an assignment in the classroom late, we're going to kind of give them a hard time. Like you have this amount of time to get it done. And you, you had a deadline. We understand that right now there are other hardships that are happening. So we, we're here to help. So please like reach out when you're concerned or you have a question, because yeah. I don't think a lot of parents feel comfortable doing that. They think that it's going to reflect on them somehow. Well, here's your permission. 
yeah. now it's time. I'm not saying don't do the work. <laughs> right. I'm not saying that this is the perfect time to go on vacation because your kid can learn from anywhere. But I'm saying like we are trying to be as flexible as we can to support families as best as we can during this time. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was so helpful. Welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> We're going to head into our bonus interview next, but for those of you who are joining us, um, thank you so much for, for joining us on the Time Hacking Summit. And Kirsten, thank you. You're welcome, Emily. <laughs> hey, thanks for joining me today on Time Hacking Radio. If you are interested in any of the tips or tricks or tools that we mentioned in today's episode, please go to our website, resources timehackingradio.com where you can find an up-to-date list of all of the good stuff that I like. And please join us again on the next episode of Time Hacking Radio.